It is so good to see you today. We bless you. I want to get into this. I believe the Holy Spirit doesn't change it, this final message for right now in the area of worship and praise. And we've been studying since January. As I was in December with my son, at, at the, uh, our family, we were with Cody at the beach. And as I saw the glass sea and I saw it, it looked like the throne of Christ with the water was coming out for the acoustics and the sound of God to be brought out, the sound of the saints to come forth, that God wants to restore the sound of worship and praise in the church. And I believe even in the last few weeks, things have been done and, and there's going to be a, a, a restructuring uh, and a renovation of the spirit of worship and praise in our hearts. And there's some things we want to learn today and study about the restoration of the key because I, I shared with you and we won't look at it today, but in Acts chapter 15, 16, and 17, I had shared with you about it says, in those days, I'm going to restore the fallen house of David, and I'm going to rebuild its ruins and restore it. And how many of you know, and I want you to receive this, something has to be devastated before it's restored. There was something already existed that was God's purpose and plan. You wonder, why isn't God's purposes and plans working in my life? But he talks about there could be no restoration if there wasn't any devastation. And sometimes it takes some devastation comes in, and we hear about it in Katrina and different other things, that there has been some things that look like it was the end, but it's really the beginning. It was to get and remove the old so that the new could be built. And he talks about, I'm going to rebuild and I'm going to restore what was my purpose and my plan. And even though something came in here to totally devour it, totally steal it, and totally get rid of it, I am still going to come back and I'm going to restore it and I'm going to make it better than it was before. And then we read in the book of Joel, chapter 2, 23 through 29, 30, 32. It says, be glad then. Hallelujah. Come on, put a smile on your face. Be glad then, children of Zion. And we studied about Zion. It's not just a physical location. It's the very presence and the atmosphere of God. Be glad then, you children of Zion. And it says, rejoice in the Lord your God. And it goes on to say, I'm going to restore to you. Somebody shout out, restore. That's a popular word in the Bible, Rest, restore, restore. I look for someone who would shout restoration, restore, restore. Shout it out twice, restore, restore. He says, I'm going to restore. He says, be glad, children of Zion, because I'm going to restore what came in to steal, to kill, and destroy. I'm going to restore what came in to devastate your life and what came to make you think that it was the end. But he says, I'm going to restore it to you. And he even says this, I'm going to restore the years. Not just the moment, but I'm going to restore the years. There's payback time in God. And he said it, and he cannot lie, that I can even restore the years. I even believe God is the God who's capable. It doesn't matter how many years meth, cocaine, or even depression robbed you of thinking faculties of your mind, speaking faculties of your tongue, or whatever it may be. I believe in the God who is a God of total, complete restoration of spirit, soul, mind, and body. And the same God who made you is the same God who can restore you. He knew how you were at the beginning, and he can restore you to his original plan. He says, I'll restore the years that the enemy came in to steal, to kill, and destroy. And then it goes on to say, and then you're going to praise the name of the Lord your God that I am in the midst of you. And I am the Lord your God and there is no other. And my people, he says it twice, my people will never be put to shame. A people who are rejoicing and blessing God. And he goes on to say, I will pour out my spirit in those days in Zion. There shall be deliverance. Thank God for everything that the enemy has been trying to steal from you is going to be restored to you in Jesus' name. Do you receive that? Amen. Now, what I want to share about worship though. 
There's something restored when there's something that's been devastated or taken from you unrightly. And there's something I want you to see here as we get into this area about the restoration of the key. And I want you to see that when you desire to become a worshiper and you start praising God and you start worshiping and you start praying and you start walking a different walk, I want you to see in the word of God today that you are asking for a battle. That I'm going to show you that you just don't, don't start singing in the presence of the Lord and Zion is here. They had to take Zion and it was a battle. And I want you to see this in the scripture today in 2 Samuel chapter 2, five, uh, chapter 5, verse 6 and 9. I want you to see there was a battle for Zion. It says, David then led his men to Jerusalem to fight against the Jebusites. And I want you to see here. The original inhabitants of the land. I want to stop right there. The original inhabitants of the land were living there. You see, a lot of times we just want to, all of a sudden, the anointing just to fall. And it can, but it doesn't always fall in the moment when we come to worship and praise and we want everything just to be perfect. It's not always like that. Sometimes there has been somebody living and possessing you for a long time. Sometimes there has been some type of mindset or thought, some type of weakness that has been building on you and saying, this is ours. This is ours. We're not going to let them go. And it says, they've been living there for a long time. And it goes on to say, and the Jebusites taunted David. They teased him saying, you'll never get in here. You see, you want Zion? You're never going to get in here. You want to get into a new level of worship and praise? You're never going to get there. You're going to have something change in the atmosphere here in central Louisiana? You're never going to see it. You believe something's going to happen to where people are going to run in here, get saved and delivered? You're never going to see it. And it says, you'll never get in here. They were teasing David. Look what they went on to say. Even the blind and the lame can keep you out. You're not a threat to us. For the Jebusites, and I want you to see that word. For the Jebusites thought they were safe. The devil thinks he's got you and your children. The devil thinks that you're never going to get free and go into a new area of life. They said they thought they were safe. But David, somebody shout out, but David. And I told you, God's looking for some Davids in the church. But David, what did he do? He captured. He captured the fortress of Zion, which is now called the city of David. On the day of the attack, David said to the troops, I hate these lame and blind Jebusites. Now, I bet you're thinking right now, now that's a, that's a man after God's own heart. We're not supposed to use that word hate. He's saying he hates those people. Of all things, he says, I hate the blind and the lame Jebusites. Now, that doesn't sound very Christian-like, does it? Let me share something with you. If you're going to take Zion and you're going to get in the presence of God, they are, you are going to have to become a hater. And I want to tell you something. Everything within me, I hate cancer. I hate cancer. I hate the way it will take someone who's living a healthy life and bring them to skin and bones and make them look like a skeleton barely breathing. I hate what cancer does to these little children who at six and seven and eight years old are losing all of their hair and they're going to St. Jude's and their mom and dad is crying and they're wondering how they're going to make it. I hate cancer. 
I hate every form of abuse. I hate sexual abuse, physical abuse, mental abuse. I hate every term of firm, term, every pot, cotton picking type of abuse. I can't stand grown men abusing boys and abusing girls, fathers bruising the spirit of their daughters at eight and 10 years old. I hate abuse. I hate poverty. I've been in third world countries. I lived there 18 years and I hate what it does to families and people. We get to the mindset, oh, we're not supposed to hate, we're not supposed to hate. Listen, if you're gonna be the warrior that takes Zion, you're gonna have to be a hater of what God hates. The Bible says whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. And sometimes you just got to stir up when, when you're praying. Sometimes when I'm praying for people with cancer, and we've seen over 21 documented cases in Argentina, and way more than that here in the United States, as we've been here in Louisiana since 99, we've seen a number of people delivered and healed of cancer. And sometimes when you're praying for cancer, it's just not, it just doesn't do to go and say, God, if it be your will. It just doesn't do just to go and say, now, Lord, we just ask you to touch and heal this person. Sometimes you just got to be like David and say, you spirit of cancer, I hate you. I despise you. I come against you in the authority of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Sometimes you just got to get up in his face. Sometimes you got to get up in hell's face, the Jebusite's face, Zion's face, and you got to say, listen, I'm going to capture this. I've been given the authority. I have the armor of God, and you're not going to take this life in Jesus' name. You got to hate the devil. Do you hear me? Do you know what the devil is doing to people all over this world? Lying, demonic, devil spirits, sucking the life and the hope out of people, causing wars and famines. It's not God. The devil wants you to blame God. God is a good God. It's the devil that comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. David said, I hate those. I hate them. You get fired up. And God says, oh, I see a warrior there. If you can hate the enemy like that, I know you can love me. To raise your hands and just start worshiping me and praising me. You hate it when they use my name in vain. And when I hear that, I just start, God, I'll worship your name. Your name is awesome. Your name is holy. Your name is awesome and glorious. I worship the name. Of, I bless the name of God. You are a blesser, not a damner. Jesus it's not a hippie selling tie-dye t-shirts on the beach like they're trying to turn them into. Jesus is the king of kings and the lord of lords and the majestic king. David said, I hate those lame and blind Jebusites. And he went on to say, whoever attacks them should strike by going through the water tunnel. This is the origin of the saying, the blind and the lame may not enter the house. So David made the fortress his home, <laughs> and he called it the city of David, and he extended the city, and he talks about the work he did. Now I want you to read this, sec First Chronicles, same story, First Chronicles 11, 5 through 7. It says, but the inhabitants of Jebu said to David, you shall not come in here. You're not going to get a job, and you're not going to get your marriage back. You're not going to get your children back, you're not going to get your sanity back, and you'll never get your peace back. The enemy's been taunting you, telling you you can't come in here. But listen, somebody shout out this, this word that is all over the Bible. Nevertheless, shout out nevertheless. Come on, shout it out. Shout it out. 
I tell you, if you do a word study, that word is all over the Bible. Whenever it was an end, there was the nevertheless. There's a nevertheless in the Old Testament, and there's a nevertheless in the New Testament all over the place. And they said, David, you ain't getting in here. You ain't doing nothing. And it says, nevertheless, David took. Come on. Hallelujah. Nevertheless, you're going to take. doesn't matter what you messed up last night. You're, I'm, I'm pointing at you now. You're, you're, you're going to take. You're going to get it. Nevertheless, it says, David took the stronghold of Zion. Mm. The city of David, after he hated him and everything else. And it says, now David said, whoever attacks the Jebusites first shall be chief and captain. And Joab, the son of Zeruah, went up first and became chief. And David dwelt in the stronghold. Therefore, it is called the city of David. Zion, the dwelling place of God, the highest part of heaven. David said in Psalm 76, 2 and 3, in Salem also is his tabernacle. And his dwelling place is Zion. He wanted to get the high mountain for the presence of God. There he broke the arrows and the bow, weapons of war, the shield and the sword of battle. It's not just going to be coming on Sunday mornings and singing. If you're wondering why you're being attacked, it's because you started on Sunday, but the devil wants to shut you up because you want to know why? Because you took his place. Did you ever see somebody at your workplace that got the promotion and you didn't? Did you ever go to school to, for the awards day and you expected to receive an award for the most accomplished student and they didn't call you a name, they called somebody else and you think, how, what, who is she to be getting my award? Did you ever hear of somebody at work who got promoted or took your place and it just burnt you up? Well, I want you to know, thousands of years ago, Satan, the worship leader, got kicked out of heaven with a third of the angels and he lost his position as the one who covers the throne of God with the praises of God and we got his job. And the thing that the devil knows is the power of worship and praise because he, it was his job from the beginning when he was created. And because he got lifted up and he got prideful, he got kicked out of heaven. Well, he got kicked out of heaven, but we got his place and we're going to live and abide forever covering the throne of God with worship and praise. So the devil is saying he's bad. He hates you and he knows that praise will get you free. And he knows what worship and praise we saw last week, all of the things that come out of Zion. But there's something I want you to see here about the Zebulites. In Joshua chapter 15, 63, and the Jebulites, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the children of Judah, look what it says. It says, they could not drive them out, but the Jebusites dwell with the children of Judah at Jerusalem to this day. Even Joshua, the man of God, saw Jericho fall, defeated the armies of the heathen, could not take over the Jebusites in Jerusalem. He couldn't do it. In Judges, it says, now the children of Judah fought against Jerusalem and took it, and they struck it with the edge of the sword and set the city on fire. But they did not keep it either. Nobody could take the stronghold uh, of Jerusalem or Zion. But I want you to see here. And the king and his men went to Jerusalem against the Jebusites and the inhabitants of the land who spoke to David, saying, you shall not come in here, but the blind and the lame will repel you, thinking, David cannot come in here. Have you ever got a heartfelt vision or desire from God and felt like the devil was laughing at you? Did you ever come up for prayer and, and even while you were being prayed for and leaving after prayer, you felt like the devil was laughing like, ha ha, you see, it didn't work. You'll never get it. Did you ever put your application in 50 places on the web saying, God, I thank you that I've asked and I believe I received now in Jesus' name and you didn't get a response? 
Have you ever been someplace? Have you ever been in a place, a position where you feel like the enemy is laughing you and mocking you, wearing you down with your laughter, just wearing you down, making you think it's never going to work? It's not, it's not going to work, and the devil is just laughing at you, mocking you. First Samuel chapter 5, verse 7 goes on to say, nevertheless. Somebody shout out, nevertheless. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold, and you're going to take it too. Psalms 106, verse 8, the children of Israel have been walking through the wilderness, but it says, nevertheless, he saved them. For his namesake. Psalms 106 verse 44. Nevertheless, he regarded their affliction. Listen, I want to tell you right now in Jesus' name, wherever you are. There's David looking at a fortress that Joshua, Gideon, nobody was able to take. You may be the third generation of your family. And in your family, they never were able to beat divorce, alcoholism, and all kind of other stuff. And you're thinking, you know, my dad couldn't breed it. My grandfather couldn't be it, beat it. My great-grandfather or great-grandmother couldn't beat it. Who am I to think that I could beat it? And the devil just laughing and mocking you, saying, look, that just runs in the family. You may as well accept it. There's a lot of things the devil's been telling you and laughing at you and mocking at you. But I want you to know, just like it made David so mad that he says, I hate the Jebusites because they were mocking him and telling him, you can't get in here. That's exactly how the devils of hell, when you start worshiping Jesus. That's how they feel. When you start singing the songs we were singing today, devils in hell start cursing. They start hollering. They start getting mad. Devils of hell start running around this place, but they can't get in it because there's angels of God around this church. And when you start worshiping and praising God and the glory starts coming down and people start coming down here weeping before God and you're weeping God in your chairs and you sense the presence of God, the devils are running around uh, around here trying. They, they want to come in. I want to get in there. I want to laugh in their heads. I want to tell them, just don't believe anything you're hearing. Don't believe what you're feeling. Don't believe what you're singing. Don't believe what they're singing. Why don't even sit in here. Get out of here. You can't stay in here. And the devil wants to get in here and just make you think about everything else but what the eternal truthful word of God is trying to say to you. And the devil's trying to mock and, mock and laugh. And he's telling you, don't be listening to that. And he's mad and he hates you. The devil hates you. The devil hates you. He especially hates the worshipers. He hates faith people. He hates word people. He loves religious people. He loves hypocrites. He loves people who don't mind playing a game and not being the real thing. But he hates the real Christian who wants to live for Jesus, fight for Jesus, sing to Jesus, and glorify Jesus. If you don't think you got a battle, you're in the wrong camp. Because if you start praising God, you're going to stir some devils up. And they're going to try to attack the battery on your car. They're going to attack the carburetor. They're going to attack you with hemorrhoids. They're going to do whatever they can to try to get you down, but you just got to get determined. Devil, I hate you in the name of Jesus, and I exalt the name of Jesus Christ. When they were telling David, we're going to put our lame and our blind on the wall, and we're not even worried about you getting in here. They're spitting on David. According to culture, and I know this is crude, but most of you haven't left yet, only a few. They were probably, and I'll just, I won't say the King James Version, because King James, he just says it like it is. But I'll say it just a little easier. They were probably urinating on David and his men down below. They were laughing, they were mocking, and they were just spitting and urinating on David and his men below. But you know what David and his men below were doing? They were urinating on the wall. Because they were saying, as the call says in the book of Jeremiah, I'm going to take this place and you're going to be as nothing. 
Now, you may think this, this, this is gross and everything else, but I'm just talking warfare right now. I'm talking about exactly how it was because the devil is not going to play a little peaceful game. He's not playing checkers and chess with you. He's got darts called cancer, death, and destruction. And he wants to come after you, and we've got to realize this is a real battle. And you put it on Caleb, right there, the devil's saying, he's trying to claim his car for God. Take him out. You put some worship in your house, oh, burn the house down. Beat the marriage. Attack the kids. Oh, you, put, you, you got worship in your room? Get those kids hooked on drugs and sex and, and alcohol and anything you can. Because if they think they're going to be there for the glory of God, we're going to do something about it. The devil is just not going to sit by and watch these things happen. It's warfare. And I want you to see here in Amos 9 verse 11, it says, In that day I will restore the fallen house of David. And I will repair. Somebody shout out, God's repairing. God's repairing its damaged walls. You may be a damaged individual here today, but God promised he's going he's to rebuild, repair the damaged walls from the ruins, and I will rebuild it and restore it. Somebody shout out, restore. restore. To its former glory. To its former glory. God is doing that. Three times he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to restore. I'm going to build it up. But you know what? The devil don't want to let you change. The devil doesn't want central Louisiana to change. The devil doesn't want worship to change. The devil doesn't want to see people getting free in worship and praise. I told you all a few weeks ago, the Bible says in, in the book of Leviticus to call every man into the service of the tabernacle. That word service is a military word, and it means to host the host of the Lord, to host the presence of God. It was the military term of God, the God of the armies. It speaks about becoming part of the armies. Listen to how real this is. When you host the host of the armies of God, you are joining in with the angels. The Bible says in the book of Daniel that Daniel had been fasting for many days, and it seemed like nothing was happening. An angel of Gabriel was sent and said, listen, we've been fighting demons up in the air. We've been fighting the prince of Persia, and i got to go help Micah, the archangel who's fighting right now. But because of your prayers, Daniel's prayers united with the, the praise of heaven, the angels got involved with the prayers of Daniel going on, and the angels got involved fighting the principalities and powers. And even though the word of God did not come immediately, the word of God did come, and there was a battle in the heavenlies. And there's a battle in the heavenlies right now. When you start worshiping and praying, there's going to be a battle in the heavenlies. But I tell you, while you keep praying, and you're fasting, you're seeking God, there's going to be some things moving, but it's going to victory is going to come on your behalf, and you're going to see it happen. I told you a few weeks ago, when you raise your hands, it means I surrender, but it also means a man with no shoulders, that the yoke that the enemy would want to put on you falls all the way to the ground. The Bible talks about when you come into the presence of the Lord, it talks about standing in the presence of God. When we stand in the presence of God, it's not, we just don't stand in here because everybody else is standing. The word stand means to be in position to run when God says run, and to war when God says war. When we stand, we're telling God, I'm right here with you, and I'm not moving. Example, clapping our hands. When we clap our hands, it means two different things. One, it means God, I applause you, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But when we clap our hands, it's also hissing and making fun of the enemy. When you're clapping your hands, you're calling him a dog. You're calling him an idiot. When you're clapping your hands, you're saying, devil, I hate you. You are defeated. You are defeated. All of that. Yeah. Yeah, come on. Tell the devil he's a dog. Yeah. When you're clapping your hands, you can read it in the Word. It's in the Word. When you're clapping your hands, you're saying holy to God. He's saying, devil, I'll piss on you. There's the King James Version right there. I came out. Now it's a, hey, okay, okay. I said it. I said it. I said it. I said it. 
And I know you're thinking, you're not supposed to say that in church, but he burns me up. He's already burning, but he just makes me so mad, just makes me mad. But when you're clapping, you're calling the devil a dog. You're spitting in his face. You're telling him, I'm reminding you what Jesus did 2,000 years ago, and I'm reminding what he's about ready to do to throw you in that pit again. That's what you do when you start praising and rejoicing in the name of the Lord our God, when you start rejoicing in who Jesus is. Now, come on, do I have any rednecks in the house here today? <laughs> you think you're just, hey, patty cake, patty cake, baker, uh-uh. There's warfare in worship. When you dance, you say, I don't believe dancing in church. Well, don't dance in church then, but dance at home at least. Because dancing means this. David explains it this way. That God knocks the enemy down, pulls his head back, exposes his throat where the curses come out, and then you're dancing on the throat of the enemy. Uh, you're making him choke. Making him choke. You're choking him while you're calling him a dog. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Okay, I'll behave. Here comes my wife. I've been with some Marines this week. Is that okay? Listen, it's warfare. Everything we do in here, it's all scriptural. It's all in the word. It all means a lot more than just doing it. It tears the enemy up. Now, I got to hurry up here because I got something I got to show you. If we're going to do something for God, it's go if you're going to go somewhere in God, it's going to be a battle. I want to show you. David said, if you're going to get into Jerusalem, you're going to have to do it through the water shaft. There was a river right here. And David's nephew said, it may as well be me. Say that with me. It may as well be me. David's nephew said, I'll do it. And he climbed. He, they had to swim underwater into this, these dugout holes under the mountain because this stronghold was so strong that they knew they needed water. So look what they did. They dug this tunnel through the mountain to the bottom right here. And it ended here in the day, day of David. Hezekiah finished it off. These men had to put their swords on their back. And listen, they didn't have air. They didn't have a mask. They didn't have a flashlight. But in the dark, they had to make their way to right here. This was a 40-foot climb, hand, toe, and finger. You see, it just wasn't a little bitty, let's go to Sunday and get it done. They had to go through here and climb up 40 feet. Now, after climbing up 40 feet, soaking wet, no light, just going by feeling, they had to start climbing this area right here. And you see this little right here? That was a nine-foot drop that if there was no ladder or rope at the moment, they had to climb it by hand too. And then they had to make it all the way to the top. Then when they finally conquered this 130-foot-long opening cave here, then they had to fight the enemy and wipe it out. Now, if we're going to take Zion, there's going to be moments you feel like you're climbing toe and foot. Sometimes it's a battle like that, church. 
even for a minister, even for a believer. It's a battle, and I want to show you. This is the 40-foot hole that goes down that they would drop a rope in a bucket down to the river below to get their water. They climbed this hand and foot, and it's just a little over three foot by three foot wide. It's still there. You could take a tour. This is the area, nine-foot drop, that if there was no stairs, they had to climb that by hand that led down even farther. But, you know, I know you're a visual people. And so I put together a clip for you to show you more or less what it would be like in the modern day for then. Because I want you to see that when you want to go after something, it ain't for sissies. It's not going to be easy. You can't even, I don't care how good a pastor you had, have, or can have. No pastor can climb the hill for you. They're struggling to get up there themselves. Everybody has to climb the mountain themselves. David's nephew, and I had a lady here Wednesday night, and she was praying for her nephew, and I gave her this word. I said, David's nephew is the one who won the victory and became the champion. Some of you have nephews and nieces. They're in a bad place right now. They may be hooked or in jail today, but they could end up being the next chief or the captain of the army of the Lord tomorrow. Don't you ever give up believing and, and, and trusting God. Sometimes you got to feel your way up. So now I want to show you this movie clip to show you. These guys have lights, flippers, masks, and oxygen. I want you to remember David's men had none of these things, but they did it. So go ahead and watch this and put your seatbelts on. These rocks, these caves. Where else can you shine a light where no human's been? There's nowhere else left on the planet to explore. But one mistake in Earth's inner sanctum. My God, would you look at that? And no one will ever know you are even here. say whatever happens don't you ever ever give up Whoa. Amen. amen now listen they were willing to do all that trip because they had the heart that the presence of God was worth putting their life on the line these men some of it's just movies some of it was real these men were doing it because they were being paid Others did it because they were passionate about getting a place to value the presence of God. How much do we desire to value the presence of God? 
Jebus said, I will. Then now David said, whoever attacks the Jebusites first shall be the chief and captain. Joab, the son of Jeruah, went up first and became chief. Can you imagine? They were so hungry for the presence of God. They were willing to crawl. They were willing to claw. They were willing to do whatever it takes. But let me have the presence. Let me dwell on God's holy hill. David said, and it takes three different type of people. And I want to end with this. Three different type of people who are willing to lay it on the line and get it before God. Psalms 27, 1 through 4. This is the first one. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked come against me to eat my flesh and my enemies and foes and they stumble and fail. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war may rise against me and this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord. Do you hear that? It's got to take people who are totally in love with God to go the distance. Amen. Here's another one. Now, this is the second type of people it's going to take. 1 Samuel 22, 1 and 2. It says, David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So with his brothers and all of his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, everyone who was discontented gathered to him so he became captain over them and they were 400 men. What type of people will it take sometimes? First of all, it's the people who are totally in love and passionate about God. Second, it's going to take those who are totally discouraged and fed up with life and just want to die. These are people who had no other place to go. And they said, I may as well join something that has a worthwhile purpose. I may as well get involved. And it says all of these. And what do you do? God made an army out of them. And then I tell you the next type of people it takes. It talks about how these men, these were the expendables, man. I mean, these guys knew how to use a sword in the right hand and the left hand. They were mighty men. They were skilled people. Now listen, those are three types of people that God wants to use in this end time revival. Those who are totally sold out and in love and passionate about God. Those who much is forgiven, much is loved, who have been made a mess of their life and the only thing they can do now is trust God. And then listen to this, God wants to bring skilled people. It's amazing, this church is getting more and more ministers. People who've already been in full-time ministry. People who've already pastored. People who've already ministered. People who've already did ministry. And God has been bringing skillful ministers as well as musicians, why? Because there's a harvest coming to this city. And for a long time there's a lot of religious spirits that's been saying you're not coming in here we're not going to have a revival in this city but it's going to continue to be like it's been and church is not going to be the revival as people say it's going to be but I tell you that we're saying we're going in we're going in and we're going to see not only this church but in other churches where God is going to raise up people who want to just do something for God and see something exploded for him now I want to show you this in the New Testament you we're not going to read this whole thing because of time but Jesus kept asking Peter and Paul John do you love me do you you love me and they say Lord you know we love you there it is again it's going to take people who are totally in love with Jesus the next thing it's going to take it says as Jesus was walking around it said that the multitudes were and he was moved with compassion and they were weary and scattered like like sheep having no shepherd it's going to take those who are discouraged distressed in debt those who feel like they have no reason to live and Jesus is going to show that he's the reason to live and he's going to rescue them and then it's going to take us we said in Philippians 3, 7, according to the skillful man, Paul was a skillful man, but he says, all my knowledge is nothing that I may know and gain Christ. That's what it's going to take. Amen. Say it. May as well as be me. May as well be me. Now, Psalms 132, 3 and on, it says, I will not go home. Listen to the passion of this man. I will not go home. I will not let myself get rest 
I will not let my eyes sleep nor close my eyelids in slumber until I find a place to build a house for the Lord, a sanctuary for the mighty one of Israel. Let us go to the sanctuary of the Lord and let us worship at the footstool of his throne. Arise, O Lord, and enter your resting place with the ark, a symbol of your power. But listen, this is the price right here. Jesus was blunt. We don't want people to be blunt, but Jesus was blunt. And this is what he says. No chance at all if you think you can pull it all off by yourself. Rules, rituals, all the things we may have done religiously and out of a good heart. It's going to take the Spirit of God moving in us and upon us to get the job that He desires to be done. He says, there's no chance at all if you think you can pull it off by yourself. But there's every chance in the world if you let God do it. Peter tried another angle. We're always going to try another angle. That's the human side. Peter tried another angle. We left everything and followed you. Jesus says, mark my words. No one who sacrifices house, brothers, sisters, mother, father, children, land, whatever, because of me and my message, will lose out. They'll get it all back, but multiplied many times in homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and land, and also in troubles. In troubles. And then the bonus of eternal life. This is once again the great reversal. Many who will be first will end up last. To get into this area as these men could have died in that tunnel trying to get into Zion. There's a price to pay. There's a price to enter into worship. I've got to forget about me. I've got to forget about my problems. I've got to forget about who's with me, who's not with me. I have to get over the fear of failure. You have to get over the fear of failure. And the more you enter into an area of worship and in love with Jesus, the more confidence you have. So what if I mock Satan? So what if I hate him so much that I can repeat my Savior and say, get behind me? Or in the message translation, shut up. Devil, just shut up. I'm not a loser. I am a winner. I'm not an addict. I'm a son of the Most High God purchased in the blood of Jesus. I'm not a sinner going to hell, but my name's in the Lamb's book of life. I'm going to heaven. Shut up, devil, in the name of Jesus. My children are not going to hell, and I'm not losing this battle. Shut up, Satan, in the name of Jesus. I may have a lot of marks on my arm now, but in the name of Jesus, I'm going to worship and pray and believe God that these marks are going to be changed, and I'm not going to be living on what I can do to myself, but I'm going to be living on a new drug called the power of the Holy Ghost and the anointing of the Most High God who give me the highest high that there is. Sometimes you just got to get mad and you just got to blare it in the face of Satan. I rebuke you, Satan. I've been doing it for 30 years and I'm still alive. He can't kill you. He has no power over you when you walk in the confidence and the faith and under the power of the covering of God. There is a covering that can keep you any place in the world can hold you in the midst of Satanists and witches and warlocks and diseases and famine. There's a covering of the Most High God when we abide in the secret place. 
There's a covering where no weapon of the enemy formed against you will prosper. There is a covering that the weapons of the devil and that the darts will not penetrate the shield of faith because greater is he that's with you than he that's in this world. There is a power, a spirit of victory inside each and every one of you in the thumbprint of Jesus. When you live worshiping and praising and in love with him, Lord, I know you have my heart. Therefore, I know I have yours. And when I go forward and I live this lifestyle of worship and praise, and Lord, I leave it all behind. You're first. My responsibility, my job, my ministry, what I'm supposed to do, Lord, you come first so that your kingdom be established and your anointing flow. Lord, we sacrifice it all on the altar that you be exalted and this be a place of your habitation. And my life be a meeting place with you. Now, right now, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray over each and every one here. I pray over the babies, the spiritual babies. I pray for those that are new. I pray over those who may have lived their lives fearful of making the devil mad. Stirring up devils, stirring up circumstances. I pray for those who are fearful of troubles, repercussions and consequences of being on fire for you. Lord, we know that all who will live godly lives, there will be some persecution. There's gonna be some trouble. There's gonna be some discomfort. But Lord, we're gonna keep climbing up that hole. We're gonna keep climbing towards Zion. We're gonna keep going to that higher place because Lord, you rest in the high places. We're gonna enter into that place of worship. We're gonna be uncomfortable at times, maybe because of the sound or the moving of people or, 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 or the praise or, or people getting free. But Lord, this is church, it's not about us. Lord, this church has been built because it's all about you. You are enthroned in this place. You are exalted in this place. And Lord, I praise you right now for the confidence that comes by knowing you in the heart and life of every believer here. That Lord God, they will not leave here being fearful. The devil's gonna get me. No, because Father, you've already got us. We're in the palm of your hand. We rest and we trust in you, Lord. Lord, I plead the blood over every life, over every child, every home. And I ask right now that we receive a revelation of the power of getting in your presence and receiving an impartation from your spirit. Lord, worship is taking your whole word and your whole counsel and believing and trusting it. How can I worship a God I don't believe is the top? How can I truly worship if I don't believe all of your word is real? How can I truly worship if I don't have confidence in your power over all the power of the enemy? How can I worship a God that I limit? If I limit you, my worship will be limited. So today, we take limits off. We take mindsets off. And Lord, we get into the area of getting free and worshiping you in spirit and in truth, glorifying your holy name. Lord, let every man and woman arise as a worshiper. Let's get on our feet right now. Let's arise with him right now saying, Lord, I will stand by you. I will stand with you. In these last days, when kingdom is rising up as kingdom and 
Rumors of war and famine, earthquakes, tsunamis, disasters all around. We pray your kingdom come, but also we also know, Father, that you desire your body here active on church, walking in the anointing of the Holy Spirit, activating signs, wonders, and miracles and marvelous deeds. You desire to have a church that will not buckle under because of circumstances of today, but will continue to preach the uncompromised word, the everlasting word, and to exalt the name of Jesus Christ above all other names. Holy Spirit, give us a holy anger. Give us a holy anger. Even as Christ cleans the temple because his zeal was for God's house. Give us a holy anger against the things that the enemy will try to rise up within our lives and the lives of those that we love. May we be different. May we arise warriors in this hour and not back down and not bow to the sound of Nebuchadnezzar's tomb. But no, there's only one God I'll bow to. I will not bow. I will not burn. Lord, I praise you for supernatural confidence and faith arising in your people. And we demand in Jesus' name that the shackles and the chains of the enemy be broken off of their lives. We command and we demand in the name of Jesus and we declare through the name of Christ that every form of addiction, the spirit of depression, anxiety, frustration, hopelessness be broken over the lives of your redeemed. Lord, you said, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And we say that our God is strong and omnipotent, mighty indeed. We come against the sails of cancer that's attacking our sister right now. We come against the attack in the lives of those that we love. We come against seizures in Jesus' name and command its power to be broken. We come against the spirit of infirmity. We command every form of the spirit of infirmity to be broken. For it is written, by his stripes we were healed. We stand in our covenant in the sacrifice of Calvary for our souls, our spirits, and our bodies. Lord, we worship you, we praise you, and we adore you. King of kings and Lord of lords. In Jesus' name we pray. Now can you give the Lord a hand? Can you praise him? Now can you tell the devil he's defeated? Ha! 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 Ha ha! You can't come in here! You can't come in here! Ha! You can't have him! You can't have them. You can't have them. No. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's just lower the music for a moment. Just lower. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We come to this most important part of this service. If you're here today and you don't know this Jesus who is King, who is Lord. You're here today, you know your life is not right with God. And unless you give your life up with the devil and become one with Christ, there is no hope. But if you give your life to Christ today and you ask Jesus to come into your heart and save you, to forgive you of your sins, you'll be rescued out of darkness 
and translate into his marvelous light and live in the presence of Jesus the King. If you're here today and your life is not right with God and you know you need to get it right now, would you raise your hand right there where you are? Some already coming up. Come on up. Come on up. If you want to come on, come on up. If you want to receive Christ, come on up. They're already coming up. You come up to you. You ready to get Jesus? You ready to get your life right with God? Come on up right now. God bless you, sir. God bless you, son. You know you need to get your life right with God. Come on. Come up and get it right now. Come on up. God bless you. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you. Bless you, sweetheart. Glory be to God. Come on, Christians, pray, 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 pray. As they come up and they enter into what a freedom, what freedom really is. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. Come on up. As they come, as they come today, blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's thank God. Miracles are happening in this place. Miracles are happening in this place. If you thought the devil was bad because of a clap, just let souls keep getting saved as they've been getting saved. Let's make the devil mad. You tell the devil, your life is not his anymore. Come on up here. Come up here. God bless you, ma'am. Come up here right now saying, I'm giving my life to Jesus. Brother God and Christian, come on. Y'all come help with these people. Come lay your hands, some anointed hands on these people. This is their day of salvation. This is their day of salvation. If you're here today, come on. There's been a sovereign move going on, and there's becoming more and more of a move of God. You're going to see it come to pass. If you're here today, young person, and you're tired, you're scared, you, you, you see these movies of the power of the enemy, there is no power compared to the power that's in Jesus Christ. If you're here today, see, lives are being changed right now. Lives are being changed right now. If you need a change in your life, come right now. Come right now. And give your life over to Jesus. Come and surrender right now. I'm not talking about joining a church. I'm talking about going to heaven and receiving Christ as King and Lord. Would you come right now? Come, come, come. Get your life right with Christ right now. Don't put off till tomorrow. Slam the door in the devil's face right now and become one with Christ. Come, 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 come. One more time, one more time. Don't leave here. Don't leave here in bondage. Don't leave here under the power of the enemy. Come on, come on. If you know you need freedom, you know you need freedom. You know you need freedom. Freedom. There's nothing like being free. When you taste of freedom, you never want to go back to the old way. When you taste of the goodness of God, you don't want to go the way of the world. When you've really tasted of God, when you've really tasted of Jesus and... You get to know his word. You don't want anything else to do with the old life. It's freedom. It's freedom. It's freedom. It's freedom indeed. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Anyone else? We're going to pray with these precious people who've come down today. They've come to get saved, and they've come to be delivered. And Jesus is going to do it all right now because he's everything. Jesus is going to do it all right now. God bless you, sir.
Come on, just worship him in this place. Sing freedom right now over this. I'm on. I want you to look at me for just a moment. I want to lead you in a prayer. If you just look at me for just a moment. If you just look at me for just a moment. I want to lead you in a prayer. I want to lead you in a prayer. I want you to look at me. And I want you to know that we love you. This is a safe place. We're all here. We're equal. We're all in need of prayer. We're all in the need of a Savior. I need mercy. I need Jesus. I can't make it tomorrow without Jesus. I need Him. You need Him. I need to confess Him and believe Him. Put your hand upon your heart because He's about ready to come in. And the Bible says when we confess him with our mouth and believe with our heart, we shall be saved. This is your moment for a miracle. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the ruler of the universe, the ancient of days, the Alpha and the Omega, King of kings, the Lord of lords, is about ready to come into your heart. Forgive you, save you, heal you, and deliver you. Now close your eyes and I want you to pray this prayer with me. Dear God in heaven, I come to you as I am. And I plead mercy. And I cry out for mercy. For all the things I've done. For the life I've lived. For all the wrong I've done. For all the people I've hurt. And for even hurting myself. I cry for mercy. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. I believe in your blood. It was shed for my sins to cleanse me, to forgive me, and to save me. King Jesus, come into my heart, into my life, into my very being, and be my total Lord and Savior. And I believe now You've saved me. I believe now for total deliverance and freedom in my life right now in Jesus' name. Now take a deep breath. Just take a deep breath and let it out. In Jesus' name. All the evil and the wrong, go now. I lay my life down. I lay the bondages down. And I'll say this with me. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I'm your child. I'm your child. I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. I'm delivered. I'm delivered. I am one with you. I am one with you. And I will live for eternity. I will live for eternity. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Shout amen. amen. Now turn to somebody and tell them, I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved, freedom, yes, come on. I'm saved, tell somebody, tell them, I'm saved. Turn to somebody, tell them I'm saved and I'm delivered. I'm saved and I'm delivered. I'm saved and I'm delivered. Now, if we could get y'all just to come over here in this corner. Okay, try to tell them, start guiding them. 
if you start guiding them in this corner. Hey, my brother and sister, get, get out of there too. We're going to get y'all to go over there. We got some material for you. We got some CDs. Go with them. Just get them to go over there. Cindy, Sister Kay, they can't hear me. Y'all can go. We want to give them some material. We want to give them some material. Let's give the Lord another hand for freedom. Hallelujah. For glory. It's freedom time tonight. We're going to be at 6 o'clock. Got a special new message. Brother Jake's going to dismiss us. We love you. And yes. we bless you. Let's keep praising. Father, we just thank you, God, for these lives, Lord, that have come back into your kingdom or come into your kingdom for the first time. Lord, we just thank you and praise you, Father, that we're going to continue to see a harvest of souls come in. God, because we want to be used for your glory and used by you, Father. So, Lord, we just thank you right now that we are going to press in, Lord, and we're going to press on, God. And even when the th when times get tough and, the th and things get rough, God, we're going to press through, Lord, and we are going to try to press on to Zion, Lord, to your presence, to your glory, God. And we're not going to give up. We're not going to the enemy come and destroy and stop what you have ordained, Father, for this place. So let God use us. Be with these people. Be with your people, Father, today. Bring them back tonight, Lord, safely, God, as we come to worship you and get more of your word and more of your presence, God. We honor you and we bless you in this place. Everybody say it real loud. Amen.